Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Hive With Us podcast. We have, of course, a guest that we we're bringing on today, and uh, we actually met the gentleman on Twitter. You know, we, we, he was, we were talking about land, he was talking about land, and we connected, and it, it's really cool how, you know, meeting a complete stranger online where your, your business, your kind of your business model, your values, and what you're up to align uh, in such a way. It's like, man, why are we not working together? Because we're doing the exact same thing. We're heading in the same direction. So I think this <laughs> could lead to a really cool conversation. want to introduce everybody to my boy Jazz on here. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I mean, we met on Twitter. It was it was great because, you know, Daniel and I were kind of going back and forth about these dividend investors and, you know, their 4% returns and things like that. We were like, hey, you know, we have things that get you 100, 300, you know, 500% returns. Why not do this? And then we started, you know, talking to DMs and here we are. <laughs> so can you introduce your, your partner? So yeah. Yeah. This is my partner, Zuhair Khan. He's actually the one that got me into land investing. So a little bit of background on myself, you know, Coming into college, I'm 24, so I, you know, freshly out of college, maybe like two, three years ago. I was pre-med, you know, but I felt like I was always business-minded. I finally graduated, did the whole honors, did the whole, you know, neuroscience research, all that kind of stuff. And then when I got into the field, I was realizing like, hey, you know, we need to make money. And like a lot of that was like kind of the biggest thing was like, how can I make money without, you know, actually trading my time? And so I was trading in the stock market. It was going well. And then it just got too risky for me. So... I ended up, I was in the neuroscience lab with Zuhair actually. And then I was like, you know, complaining to him and he was like, Hey, my dad and I have been doing land for a while. You should come check this out. And then long story short, we did a couple deals together and then we realized, you know, this is a good partnership to have. And uh, now we want to share it with everyone else. Dude. Amazing. So what, what were you guys doing in neuroscience? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, we actually went to Cal Poly Pomona. And uh, neuroscience, it was, I've always just been a curious kid. And, you know, science is just one of those things where it's like, there's ultimately like a lot of things that are unknown out there. So I wanted to help, you know, uncover that. My job particularly, it was like, you know, in the lab, really like setting up the experiments, monitoring the experiments. Uh, it's almost another life now that I think about it. But man, yeah, it was, it was kind of boring. I, I'd rather do, I'd rather be flipping land, to, to be honest. Yeah, the research we were doing involved uh, monitoring dopamine cycles and food anticipate anticipatory behavior. So if you have like mice, right, and you feed them at noon every single day, right, these mice get trained to like think they're about to get food every day at 12 o'clock. So they start getting excited and they move around, right? And, and we measured that activity. Um, you know, we sort of played around with it, manipulated it. You know, what happens if you don't give them food at this time? Like, how does their behavior change? Or you know, um, right, we just monitor that behavior and uh, saw how this tied into ultimately what was called a circadian rhythm, right? So it's like you have like your rhythm, biological clock, and at different hours of the day, right, your body releases different chemicals. So that's what we, like in a nutshell, what we were working on together. Man, that, that's pretty cool. So that another level of, of overlap between us and you. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a science nerd, man. I'm a bit like of a scientist, like literally like <laughs> I got some stuff around the house, yeah, that you, it would take a couple episodes to cover. But yeah, I'm, I'm like in the, really big into like exercise recovery, all that kind yeah. of stuff, experimental, um, I don't want to say drugs, but experimental products, um, <laughs> healing and all kinds of stuff like that, man. So I, I go down a deep rabbit hole in that space, yeah. I've done a lot in that area. That's awesome for sure. That's so cool. here, your second generation real estate, how, how long has you been? How long has your how long have you been doing real estate and how long has your like your dad been doing real estate too? So it's been about six or seven years now, right? My dad, he's always been 
business minded and he was hacking at different things, you know, like I remember growing up, right. He was in the stock market. He wrote his own, uh, his own book. He was like, he's works in the hospital. So he wrote a course on, you know, students who want to pursue ultrasound. So he like has three editions of his book. So he just hacked at, you know, so many different things. And then he finally landed on land. And now I was finally of age where I could actually like help him contribute to my dad too, you know? So this was sort of my way of giving back to my dad because, you know, he raised me. I always had food on the table. My way of giving back to him was helping him with, with the land, right? So it started with just like, you know, learning little things here and there. And then over the course of six, seven years now, you know, like I've gotten pretty good training. I know the ins and outs of buying and selling land. And it's really been eye-opening because right, you try all these different things, right? Like, oh, maybe work a nine to five or you write this book or whatever. But at the end of the day, right, what creates the most billionaires? And that's real estate. And that's becoming more and more apparent as I grow older. You know, when I was like 20, you know, I didn't maybe realize the value of, of land. Now I'm driving, I see a piece of dirt and I'm like, yo, this show is sponsored by hive mind crm it is more than just a crm it is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one crm you can have unlimited websites and users you can call text rvm and email all-in-one user interface and you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses 65 percent of companies start using a crm system within the first five years of business once implemented the hive mind will save you on marketing give you more time and make more money one of our users had his first one hundred thousand dollar month using our system in june we want to see you automate and accelerate your business text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings and of course to get our one dollar course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal you can schedule your free demo today at hivemindcrm.io i'm teaching a friend of mine man he, he was actually a really good friend of mine i know i've known him probably going on 15 years and I worked at a timeshare company for a couple of years. You know, I, I grew up yeah. in construction, but veered off for a little while. Went and checked that out. This guy's teaching me sales at a very high level. And I didn't, I didn't even know you can tap into the human psychology like that, right? Like through the use of sales and actually how deep that rabbit hole goes. That's a science uh-huh. in of itself. So he was training me for years, man. And, and just like putting me into a whole different universe where you can kind of like, I feel like the human being is almost like a robot, like a machine, right? With yeah. software. And you can hack into it. You can hack into somebody's brain, push all the buttons, change their mind and steer them in a different direction. Like, like immediately on a dime. I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. Right? <laughs> I thought we were more autonomous than that. Um, but no, really, really cool guy. Interesting guy. You, you guys will definitely get to meet him pretty soon. But he's just getting involved in real estate and we're driving around. He's going to the ranches now. He's going to invest with us on some deals. Like we're just checking all this stuff out. And I was driving by. I said, dude, I said, think about it. If you're a real estate investor, you're looking for a fourplex or an apartment complex or self-storage or something. I said, but all the money. Right there. See all those trees and all that grass field? That's all the yeah. Cattle, yeah. Right? And everybody, every day you drive by it and you see no value there, right? There are some trees and some grass and everybody drives by it on the way to their fourplex. Meanwhile, they just drove by a $2 million deal, right? So yeah. it's interesting to think about. It's like, if you're not, if you're not living in that world, you, you don't see the value. You don't see where it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, one thing I really want to ask as far as like, uh, how, old are you, how old are you guys? Because you guys both look young. You guys talk about college. <laughs> You're probably younger than both of us. Uh, how long have yeah. you guys been doing uh, – how old are you guys and how long have you been doing uh, land? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm 24. You know, we started – I started doing land probably about COVID, right around COVID time. So okay. 2020, probably been about three years. 
Okay. Yeah. I'm also 24. I've been doing land like six, seven years now. Insane, dude. 24 years old. I was like probably on a construction site painting for like 15 bucks an hour. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys been flipping land for seven years, dude. Like, I can imagine. I always tell everybody. If I got involved in this stuff when I was like in high school, right out of high school, I'd be a billionaire by now for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that's the that's the plan, you know. That's me. I'm 41, so I'm the old guy in the room. <laughs> so tell us a little about your uh, investment strategy, like your purpose, because I, I know you guys. We talked a little bit beforehand that you guys like helping newer people get into land space. Um, I like making fun of people on Twitter about uh, about their returns and me and Jazz. <laughs> like the reason why me and Jazz like coincide. Yeah. Is we're both making fun of everybody, and like you're not better <laughs> than making fun of everybody. So, <laughs> this always the fun part on Twitter, at least. But uh, tell us a little about your mission and what do you guys do right yeah. now. Sure, sure. I mean, so right now we've kind of structured our program to do at a, at a quick glance. You know, there's three different phases. There's a knowledge phase, kind of get everyone up to speed about you know what the program is, what the process looks like. Then there's the acquisition phase where we'll, t- where we'll teach them how to, you know, do the due diligence, how to acquire the property, whether it's, you know, texting, mailers, auctions, or actually other land investors, things like that. And then finally, it's the closing phase. You know, how do you deal with the leads? How do you follow up with the leads? Because I feel like that's one of the biggest things is, you know, these there's like there's hungry buyers which you can find on like you know the paid advertising and then there's ones that are like you know they kind of have their foot in the door they're like iffy about it things like that so really navigating those situations is you know something we're going to be sharing in our program but um as for the strategy we use you know uh, i know you guys tend to do larger acreage you know things like 50 100 acre lots things like that on our end we're mostly focused on those sub one acre lots and uh, so completely different buyer base, a little bit different of a marketing strategy, but, you know, ultimately the same thing land. Uh, it's like a, a nice niche we found of parcels that are, you know, under a certain price range. Uh, and that makes it really accessible for elementary investors who, you know, they might not want to put like 10,000 into a business idea, right? They only have like three or four or 5,000 that they're willing to of course, uh, you can't really lose in land, right? If you guys, you guys have probably noticed, right? Land always appreciates. You can't really lose in land, but uh, right? People, when they're looking to get into investing, right? They're they're uncertain. They're like, I don't know the process. Five thousand, right? That's taken me like a whole year to save up. Now I just have to put it into a piece of dirt that's like in a different state, you know? Like, <laughs> so it's really uh, clearing the fog and showing the the direct path to light in the tunnel that we like to, to show our students. Really, it's really a step-by-step process uh, of our methodologies that we use. And our methodologies are very straightforward for, for someone to pick up. And I feel like, and I know based on what a couple of our students have said so far, it's like we're doing a pretty decent job on educating them and equipping them with the knowledge they need to, to conduct due diligence, to you know make a, a nice listing that is attractive and using sales psychology to negotiate with customers. Dude, love it, man. Um, so what's what's the what's the bigger picture here? So you guys are going to bring on some students, run some training. You have a course that they're going to run through. Uh, you're planning on partnering with these people long term or is it just like are they in it for 30 days or 60 days and then they're moving on or kind of what's what's where, where's this thing headed? Sure, sure. Yeah, I think, you know, the bigger picture is always kind of growing that network and then having more friends in the space because, you know, ultimately, if you if you want to go far, you go by yourself. Or sorry, if you want to go, you know, fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go with other people. 
And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at it's based, you know, everyone's going to run out of capital soon, but like syndication, that's where, you know, the deals continue to flow. Partnerships ultimately, you know, make this thing a whole lot better, funner for everybody. Yeah. <clears throat> like, as you guys know, right, U.S. has like 2.4 billion acres of land. Just because your friend owns some land or your student owns some land, that doesn't necessarily mean you're losing now, right? Yeah. Uh, land really is like a game where collaboration is the name of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I say it all the time is that the, there's more inventory in land than any other asset class. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So people are like, oh, I go after multifamily. Like, good luck fighting with the other thousand people in multifamily. <laughs> Yeah, that's the craziest thing you know it's it's the smallest niche within real estate but it's you know the most profitable easiest to get going like people don't even consider it because they look at a piece of dirt and they don't know how they can monetize it and that's just the biggest thing where it's like if you just open your eyes you know train those eyes you're sitting on a gold mine yeah and my dad says it all the time like this whole process technically is like all digital you a lot of times you don't see the land you don't see the customer and you don't even see the money because it's like a wire transfer, you know? So it's like. <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. Uh, yeah. What market are you guys in? And like, um, are you like in like one specific state? Or are you all over the place like us a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So right now, you know, we've kind of st- stuck to California at one just because we live here. And, uh, you know, we, we know the rules and regulations here pretty closely. So California right now, um, you know, Kern County, Humboldt County, all over the coast, you know, things like that. And then we tried to go to Arkansas. So we have like a couple properties in Arkansas. Those are proven to be a little bit harder to sell just because our main buyer base is in California. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, based on the trends, it looks like people are really moving out of California. So we're probably going to start going towards, you know, the other states, thinking like Texas, the Carolinas, really anything in like the, the middle of the United States. That's kind of like what I'm <laughs> noticing tends to have a lot more of like the the immigration going for it so that's where you know we might be expanding florida texas carolinas you know georgia these places they're they're gonna always they're gonna explode for a long time mostly red states yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. you probably don't want to get into new york you know oh no no (laughs) (laughs) the states where the population is actually uh decreasing in a time when uh florida and texas are exploding Right. So the, the demand here is tremendous. Uh, I was half expecting to see a slowdown, right? Mm-hmm. With looming recession. I don't know whether we're in one or not yet, whatever is considered. And technically we are. But um, I think that yeah, we haven't seen any slowdown in land sales at all, man. Like literally, like we, I think we've gotten more contracts in the last 90 days than we ever have before. Yeah. Yeah. That's the craziest thing. You know, it's like a recession. Like if if you're not actively selling your land, it, it becomes a liability for you just because, you know, you have to pay those property taxes. So it's really in the best interest of a seller or like somebody who owns the land that's not monetizing it to kind of get rid of it. Like in, instead of, you know, paying like two thousand, like a couple thousand per year on property taxes, you now have money in your, in your pockets. Mm-hmm. So it just makes sense for them to kind of, you know, sell it. And then the land investors really take it from there. Yeah, <clears throat> In a time where, you know, money is needed, right? Everything's so expensive, right? I think, just a month ago, right? Eggs, y'all, everyone here knows how expensive <laughs> eggs have gotten, right? So it's like a lot of times these children, they inherit this land from their parents or their trust, you know, and like, you know, these kids, they don't see the value of land and, you know, $10,000, $50,000 to them is a great deal, you know? <laughs> I made a video on YouTube um, probably about, I mean, about three or four years ago 
and it's, it's called wholesaling and a thousand years of wealth. And uh, the whole premise of the video is that, yeah, grandpa works his whole life, you know, to come up with his land, leaves it to his kids. Mom and dad work their whole life right on the land. And then the kid gets it inherited and dumps it. Yeah. <laughs> you take up 200 years worth of worth of wealth in a single transaction, you know, and then you do that over and over and over again. It's like, this, this is, that's actually amazing. You can accumulate several lifetimes of, of you know, of savings and, and just a handful of transactions. So I, I thought that was fascinating. So well, one thing I want to mention about this, that we're talking about this topic, is that I tweeted because I really thought about it because, like, single family, multifamily, they really um, – they refinance and get and sell those properties all the time. The yeah. land kind of stays with the family and it kind of gets passed down. There's a lot of equity. So my statement was there's probably trillions of dead equity in land just sitting there untapped. Okay. No, no mortgage, no nothing. Hasn't traded hands. This is dead equity, whatever it's worth. Yeah. <laughs> just sitting yeah. there. Houses, apartments, self-storage, you're, you're constantly pulling the equity out of those, right? And then they go reinvest it in something else, buy more of the asset. But the, the, the product itself is always getting drained of its equity. But yeah. land, you know, dudes owned it for, you know, 60 years. Like, oh, yeah, I grew up here. I grew up here on this farm. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody has ever touched that equity in 50 or 60 years. So that's an interesting concept that Daniel came up with and we, we were talking about. Yeah, it's like you just have trillions and trillions of dollars sitting in the land, untapped. Nobody's going after it. Nobody's thinking about it. Nobody's looking for it other than, you know, guys like ourselves, Ben. So, yeah, I think it's a cool space to play in. Yeah, yeah that was a really space. good comment, right? It's really like the intangibles, like the potential of it, you know? And it's uh -huh. everywhere. You know, I, I grew up in construction. So it's like if, if we – I started – was doing floor, lots of floors for years and years and years with my dad's company. And, uh, you know, we did uh, tile and wood floors. So you measure inside of the house or the building. <clears throat> you have a thousand feet of floor delay, 2000, 4000 feet of floor delay. That's a big job. It's a lot of money. Super, super hard work. You know, you're making a couple grand a week. So, you know, years later, I got into commercial roofing and now I'm doing like big projects. Right. You know, 100,000 square feet and, you know, multiple six figure. Decks. And in my mind, I think I made it. I made it 100 grand a deal. Right. And then I remember just thinking about the process is like, you know, going from inside of a house, the floors to going into, you know, commercial buildings on a roof now. And I'm, I'm thinking like, well, what's bigger than a commercial roof that I could possibly sell? And I was like, the only thing bigger than that would be the dirt. But still didn't cross my mind that I was going to head into the land space yet. But I was just thinking like, there's nothing bigger than a big giant building other than the ground itself. And so now to be playing in that space, like, ah, okay, all right. I see the, the transition, like everything <laughs> that's built up on top of it. So, so no regrets, you know, I used to, hate that I grew up in construction. I felt like it was a lot of time wasted, but it was a lot of a good learning experience. Taught me like hard work, right? So I see people in, in the land business, they get tired or they get exhausted and then they just, they don't want to do it anymore. Like they get burned out, mentally burned out. And I'm like, man, you would have never made it in the construction. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing tile floors seven days a week, 12 hours a day, like bloody hands, blood on your knees. And we're still working, getting the job done. And then these guys like, they're clicking on Zillow and writing stuff down on a sheet of paper and they get burned out. Like, man, get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I feel like burnout is like, it's, it kind of, it's like a symbol that, you know, something needs to be rethought or like redone in your process because it, a lot of the time, you know, things can be, you know, automated or just streamlined, but people just haven't thought of it. So when burnout comes to me, it's just kind of like take a step back, you know, figure out, what's the most time intensive thing and really, you know, try to automate it or, you know, delegate it or something like that. Yeah. A lot of times when I feel burnt out, it's just cause like, sometimes I just feel overwhelmed. Right. 
<clears throat> is that taking a step back and just writing out, you know, what is it that I need to do and then just get started on it that, you know, removes that, that stress. Also remembering, you know, why you wanted to do this in the first place. That helps a lot for me. Yeah. <clears throat> you guys might've heard of the term uh, called cognitive loading, right? So it's like when you have too many windows open on your computer, yeah. same inside of your brain, yep. so you too many pending things open all at the same time that can create burnout, right? Because your, your body's trying to do too much. Your brain's trying to do too much. Like, man, I got 400 things I got to do. Where do I start? Mm-hmm. Uh, so one thing that I did a habit that I've learned is I write down the most important things with a dry, a dry erase marker in my mirror. Like those yeah. are the most important things that I have. That's kind of like my to-do list because I can wake up and I know what to knock out immediately. Well, it was Ty Lopez. I was listening to uh, uh, one of his podcasts, whatever, several years ago. And he said, take your, your to-do list for the, like that's for the next 90 days or the next six months. He said, and make it a goal to knock it out in the next seven days. And I was like, holy crap, what a paradigm shift for me. Because I had all this stuff on my to-do list that I thought I was going to have to you know, knock out over the next several months. But I'm like, if I really did buckle down, I could probably knock all this stuff out in a week. And sure enough, man, I think I, I blew through like 80 or 90% of that list like in about maybe two weeks. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like a, it's Parkinson's law. You know, it's like if you give yourself, you know, like a week to do something, it'll take a week. Or if you give yourself, you know, seven hours to do something, it may take seven hours. You may get it done, but you probably got a lot more done than what you initially would have done. And the yeah. beauty in that is that like when you complete these tasks in like a short amount of time, you're just always winning, 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 winning. And the important thing that I think a lot of people don't do is that when they see they're winning, right, they're like, oh, I can let my foot off the gas. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what really uh, hinders people from like skyrocketing to success. It's even though you're winning, you got to keep putting in the work. You know, you, you can't stop until you finally got it like that. You know, I love that, man. There's there's something called the winner effect. Like where you, where you, you win at something and your body starts to create more dopamine, you know, more of these, these neurochemicals that are going to make your body fire at a higher level and your brain fire at a higher level. Yep. Uh, and the, the more that you win, the more chemicals your body makes. So it makes it easier to win in the long run. So there's two different areas that I feel like you can actually train your nervous system to build up for something like this. Right. So if you're not winning exactly in business, you can do it in fitness. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> like in CrossFit, like so if you're making uh, those those uh, like if you're hitting your diet, you're you're working out very, very often, uh, especially like in CrossFit, I used to box when I was a kid. So like you're pushing you're always pushing yourself beyond your normal like uh, realm of, of comfortability. Right. So you feel like, man, this is it. Like if I pick up that barbell right now, I'm probably going to die. Right. <laughs> sure enough, you're like you take a deep breath and you grab it, and you pick it up again and you keep on going. So you're, you're always pushing yourself past those limits like multiple times per week. So I think it's easy to stay like to, to keep your body telling yourself like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm good at winning and I, I win often. So then when it comes again to business and other things, like everything seems easy. Like so even sometimes it does get overwhelming. Like I have a million things to do, but it's like I do this every day. I push through every single day. Like there's no way this is going to collapse me. And uh, I did a podcast a, a couple months ago. They were interviewing me and they was like, what, what's like the, the probably the number one thing that you think about business? Like what would keep a person like engaged and, 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 and you know, being being able to be successful? I was like, I think it's less about intelligence and it's more just about that brute strength that when you are tired, when you are burned out, when you are intimidated to be able to just push right through that without even trying. And I think you can you can easily get that from a place like CrossFit or something like that, where you're, you're constantly pushing your body beyond it's like I said, normal comfort levels. Yeah. And to maintain that uh, level of performance, one thing I think that really is important for me to maintain is my schedule. I can't like on the weekdays, I cannot be like messing up my sleep, you know. 
Yeah. I can't be staying up late and then waking up on like three hours of sleep uh, on the weekdays. At least I feel like that's what the weekdays are there for, you know, to grind. And then it's the weekends where if you want to do it, you should still work like two, three hours, four hours on the weekends. Uh, but, you know, that's what the weekends are for, I guess. And the weekdays, no excuses is what I like to tell myself. Yeah. <clears throat> How do you guys lay out your schedule? How do you lay your day out? Uh, sure. Yeah. So for me, I'm a big fan of time blocking. And, uh, so I also have another business that I'm part of, uh, it's ad tech marketing. So, you know, like the, the nine to five day part of my day is pretty much, you know, dedicated to that. And then I'll come home, probably sit in like an hour's worth of traffic. Awful. <laughs> and then I'll go straight to the gym. And then when I come back from the gym, it's probably, you know, the land side of the business until I sleep. Yeah, for me, usually I like wake up. I like to shower immediately when I wake up because I feel like I'd be taking like pretty long showers. I don't know, just like my room to, to think. Yeah. So getting that like just like out the way. I'm already like I already can like put my clothes on. So if I have to like go somewhere to, to meet someone or I have to like, you know, go out to a coffee shop to have a different environment, I'm already ready. So I like to wake up and just shower like right when I wake up uh, and then just, you know, work throughout the day and then uh I'll have dinner, and then after dinner, I go to the mosque, and then after I go to the mosque, I go to the gym. That's, like, every weekday. You go to mosque every single day? Yeah, once that's, a day at least, because I'm Muslim, and we have to pray five times a day. Yeah. So one of the five, I'll, I'll do my best to go to the mosque. That's amazing, man. So we have a Ten Commandments for our, our group, for our mastermind, and one of those is a daily prayer and meditation. Yeah, morning and night, and I think that, that carries a long way in business, and that's something that nobody thinks about or talks about as well, so... That's that's very, very powerful. That's cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, gratitude. Gratitude for sure. That's a big one. Um, I feel like not that many people practice gratitude or daily meditation, prayer, anything of that nature. Mm -hmm. But I was talking to my dad about this the other day, and he was just like, he was like, oh, like, because like when I sometimes when I'm super stressed, I'll like, I'll do something completely like irrelevant to what I'm doing. Like, I think the last time it was like Call of Duty or something. He's like, why are you playing these games? And I was just like, I'm like, I'm really just trying to, you know, like blow some steam off. And he's like, no, you should be praying. It's like a lot more effective. And then, and then it's funny that you guys are bringing it up right now. So I guess, you know, maybe there is like a, a level of validity to that statement. Dude, yeah. Yeah. Literally, I couldn't sleep last night. Right. I'm just excited about all these projects and I'm designing the shopping center in my head. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I was, I felt comfortable. I just couldn't sleep. So I got up and yeah, I'm like, you know, stretching and meditating, you know, like at two in the morning. Right. So what would I do with that dead time? What else am I going to do? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was actually a really good night. I got a lot accomplished. I, I took a lot of notes and it's just like some time to unwind and reflect because you really can't do that during the day. And I think that's the kind of the point of it. Right. Is that if you're always getting bombarded with messages and emails and phone calls all day long, when do you turn it off and kind of like, you know, just go within and, and just, you know, listen to the silence. I don't different people, different religions of belief, but like listen to the voice of God, you know, um, and, and that's the only time you would have it is when you're isolated, when you're by yourself. So that's a super, super key, I think, in business that, like I said, I think that's probably first and foremost, and then everything else falls into place after that. Yeah, yeah. You touched on uh, that uh, kind of blurb where you said, like, you know, like, your breath. Like, so when you meditate and prayer, things like that, that's, 
you know, one of the times your brain turns off, there's this thing in science, it's called like the default mode network. Mm -hmm. It's basically like a pattern of neurons that fire throughout the day when you do like regular tasks that you've always been doing. It's like when you wake up and go get a cup of water, like that's like an instinctual thing that you do. It's like one of the first things you do. There's like a pattern of neurons that always fires for that activity. So, you know, prayer, meditation, those are one of the few things that actually turn that you know, like neural network off. So it's kind of giving your brain that refreshingness. It's almost like sleep in a way. It kind of turns your brain off. It lets it allows you to like think deeper, think differently as well. So that's also one of the beneficial things about it. I don't know, a little nerd moment for me, I guess. Yeah, I want to jump in on this now too. This is another topic that I could talk about for like weeks on end without a break. Yeah. I feel like sometimes too, like again in business, like we're pushing ourselves to grow, right? We're doing this first big giant commercial deal. We've never even done a commercial deal. We jump straight into a $5 million deal. <laughs> um, it's like whenever you have all these challenges or you have all these things that you're, you're trying to face, you're trying to solve it with math, with, with critical thinking, right? Like with AI, we got all these these problems we're trying to, to beat. I noticed that that in meditation, right. that when, when, you, when you go really deep, like there is no goal, right? There's no goal of like, I'm not trying to solve anything at all. I'm going to completely turn everything off it seems like all of those problems fix themselves, right? Yep. So 30 minutes later, an hour later, I come back and I'm like, oh, I got this. <laughs> these little things that I thought were going to be these tremendous problems, they just kind of unwind and solve themselves without any participation from your own self. So and again, it's another like another reason why it's super powerful. Yeah. Um, what's your guys' responsibilities? Because I always like talking to people that are partners just because – um it's a different dynamic than people that are solo solo solopreneurs almost or lead 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 as a one-man team uh how big is your, your back-end team and what do you guys do as far as uh, share responsibility sure sure so at the moment you know it, it's mostly it's literally just the two of us you know we're really running the running the show here but uh in terms of roles and responsibilities zuhair's side is really just to be the educator because he has you know that that leg up in in terms of experience on my end like I've been doing it probably half as long as he has. So it, it's only, it only makes sense that he should be the one that's, you know, educating the people. And my job really is to kind of think outside the box in terms of like growth, expansion, things like that. Like, Hey, maybe we should try this marketing strategy or, Hey, maybe we should, you know, acquire people like this. I'll handle some of the sales calls. We'll both do the sales calls. And then, in terms of like acquisitions, I'd say that's also 50 50. It's usually it's just me like, you know, scrolling through the internet or something or like, mm. and then like, hey, we should join this auction or like, hey, I found this property. Let me go show it to Zuhair. And if we agree, then we'll kind of, you know, move forward with it. But for the most part, I'd say it's pretty, it's pretty 50 50. It's kind of like whatever my strength isn't, I'll hand it over to Zuhair and vice versa. <clears throat> Yeah, and that was a <clears throat> huge learning curve for me is that like uh, like everything in my life, I feel like I've done by my, by myself and now having a partner, it's, it's understanding that like you have a partner for a reason, you know, like, uh, and as you know, we progressed working together, right. You start to learn that, like what our individual strengths are and why we should stick to what we're good at, you know, like, even though we both could do something, right. Like why would we both do the same thing? Uh, and, instead of doing two different things. Now we're using our time more efficiently. Of course, you know, like that overlap will always happen, right? That's like the nature of, of doing business, right? You got to sometimes do this, that, but like a, working together, we've really discovered our roles uh, and we've really discovered how to maximize and capitalize on those roles. Like Jazz said, right? Jazz is really 
the outside thinker box, right? Like I'm not saying I'm conservative, but I'm better at nurturing what I have, right? So like with the company nurturing, you know, the quality of the material, nurturing, you know, the students, nurturing, you know, our foundation. And then Jazz is building on top. He's building, you know, the, this 12th floor. He's building the 13th floor and I'm making sure the foundation stays strong, you know? I was going to say, yeah, that's kind of myself and Daniel. That's exactly what we do, man. We're like, we're complimentary. Like he doesn't really do anything I do and I don't do anything that he does. Uh, but what's it, what's really cool. And it's kind of like, you know, points to the name hive mind is like, you could take like multiple people's brains and combine them into like a super brain. Right. So I was trying to figure out a subdivide, you know, and I, I really, I kind of, kind of couldn't really see an amazing strategy for this piece of property. And I'm looking at it, I'm scribbling it, I'm drawing it. So randomly, I just called Daniel and then I'm, I'm showing him what I'm doing. Take a look at this. Comes up with this amazing idea, dude, for this killer subdivide. And that's not even really his department. But, you know, us putting our heads together and just talking about it, like we, we found out an awesome layout that took that property from like 800,000 profit to almost 5 million profit, dude. Oh, and wow. That's incredible. Just with a pencil and a sheet of paper, like in an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like yeah we really do like i said we, we we work separately but when we do combine our energy yeah like growth happens quickly and ideas happen they flow quickly sometimes we're just on the phone for like two hours straight just talking we're gonna do this and do this and this and that and run it back and forth and <laughs> it's pretty cool to, to work with that. something like that uh what is a quote that is yours or somebody else's that you resonate with yeah yeah so i actually saw this one the other day it's uh it's mark twain it said buy land they're not making it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. Let me get that tatted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, there's another one by Abraham Lincoln. It's kind of like the best way to predict the future is really to create it. And to me, that's kind of like if you want something done, you know, do that by yourself. Like nobody else is going to do it for you. Like just you're, you're kind of like the, the champion of your own life. You know, take go go all in just, you know. Do it to the best of your abilities. <laughs> yeah, for me, I have like two I, I can share. The first is uh, I'm really big on not letting the, my foot off the gas when like things are going good. I feel like in life, maybe that's been a factor why I haven't been like I, I've been doing pretty good, but like I feel like I could have done even more. Uh, and it's so basically, like, if you see a, a spaceship that's going into space, right? It doesn't stop for a single second. It's going full throttle the whole way. It, like, even though, you know, it made it out of the stratosphere, right? You know, the spaceship's not like, all right, let's chill now and, and let, you know, gravity propel me in space. The spaceship keeps pushing forward. Uh, and that has been a huge help in my life because anytime, like, like we were talking about burnout earlier, right? It's like, you're winning, you're winning, you're winning, right? You should be able to take a day off, right? But it's breaking that momentum that will mess you up. At least it messes me up. So that, that one's a really important one I've been internalizing. And then a second one is one I heard very recently. Uh, and it's and it comes to like maintaining your schedule, right? So the, the saying is, right, you know, people go out, you know, they're partying or, you know, they're out with friends and just happen to stay, stay up late. And, you know, when you're out with your friends and your boys or you're out by yourself late at night, you know, you're acting, you know, you the man, right? Like you dress nice, you know, you got your favorite fragrance on. But then in the morning, uh, you know, you might be like, if you drunk, you know, you're like hungover a little bit and you're like, oh, maybe I can sleep in or maybe, you know, I'll just wake up later or not work as hard today. Uh, and the saying was, if you want to be the man at night, you got to be the man in the morning as well. So 
uh, that one's a, a really big one I've been practicing lately because it's like sometimes, you know, like you just mentioned earlier, you woke up at like 2 a.m., right? Just and you were like working, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's like it doesn't matter. Sometimes if you get two or three hours of sleep, like you wanted to be the man at night, right? Now it's time. It's 9 a.m. You got to 8 a.m. You got to hop on the podcast, right? You got to be the man in the morning as well. Yeah, I love that, man. That's a good one. What about you guys? What are some of your favorite quotes? <laughs> um, this, this is mine is like you build the infamy off the content you produce. And right. I, I just see a lot of people, they just they start producing content. And I think it's the biggest driver of our success is just producing content, which is why we're here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one of, uh, just my dad used to say, he would just say, always have your word. You know, if you don't have anything mm -hmm. else, just always have your word and nothing else. I grew up on that one. So it's still one of my favorites. I, I, I didn't understand it for the longest time because I didn't know how like just being a good, honest person would pertain to making you successful in business. Right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't a very good businessman at all, but right it's just the core values ended up turning into be like some of my greatest business assets and then uh, another one i don't even know who, who it is or who it attributes to and i always mess quotes up so i might say it wrong but they say um no great mind has ever existed without a touch of madness and i, yeah. I feel like it does take a little bit like you have to be a little insane to create something amazing and something grand right like the teslas and the elon musks and and these, mm -hmm. these great minds it's like they weren't exactly probably all the way sane right because yeah. I talked about like creating your own reality, right? In business, like you, you you pick an end goal in mind and then you have to have this imagined reality that doesn't exist anywhere else inside of your own brain. That's insanity. That's definition textbook insanity. <laughs> so if you see a vision and you, and you see what the outcome is going to be, you have to believe in it so much that you don't think that like it may or may not happen, right? Like it's going to happen. Like I'm, I already see it. It's clearly there, right? But everybody else around you is like, uh, that thing doesn't exist. You're a maniac. Right. So you got to have that little bit of touch of madness to be able to push yourself into those those places that, you know, would otherwise like kill a regular human being. You know, like, because if you're trying to build something so massive, it'll, it'll take a toll on your nervous system, burnout, those kinds of things. But if you have that level of belief driving you, then you're you know where you're headed. So it's a lot easier for you to get there because it doesn't feel stressful, because I think that that aspect is missing. It's like it's, it's it possibly could not happen. But in my mind, like it's already happened. I'm already there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I think you really have to, you know, see it in your mind before it actually happens. Otherwise, you know, the things that happen in your day to day, it's they're going to deter you from, you know, that vision. Yeah. Yeah. To piggyback off what your dad had told you about being a man of your word, right? This happened like a year ago. So, you know, we got leads coming in. We got land for sale. You know, a lot of times, you know, the, sometimes the leads aren't serious. So I was like talking to this guy and he's like, oh, can you like send me uh can you contact the county and learn about like this zoning division or whatever and get back or oh what he wanted to know is uh was uh, so this is like a mountain parcel we have <clears throat> he wanted to know whether or not it was landfill underneath or if it was a rock and i was like i'm pretty sure it's a rock you know like uh, it's like a mountain right but he was like can you please uh call the and this parcel was not a very expensive parcel uh, and the buyer you could tell he was not serious just by like the tonality of his language Right. And he was like, oh, can you call the county and like figure this out for me? And it's, you know, it's like uh, I didn't take it too seriously. And I guess like a week later, uh, uh, he told me to call him back like Friday or something like three days later. Then a week passes by. It's like Monday the next week. And he calls me. and He's like, oh, hey, uh, you never came back to me with that info. He's like, what's up with that? A man is only as good as his word. And, and I was like, I was like, what? I was like, you said what? I was like, <laughs> So uh, this is just like some some old guy, right? He wanted to maybe like have his little like cabin in the mountains, and like he's like roasted me, you know. <laughs> so that that ever since like that was a very uh, 
changing moment in, in like how I carried myself in how, uh, you know, following up with leads properly. You know, if somebody's it doesn't matter if they have 50,000 or 3000 to spend, it's like, you got to give everyone the same treatment. That's good, man. That's funny, man. Uh, <laughs> you get roasted by a seller. <laughs> yeah. It's harder than an old man because they already been there, done that, no filter. That's funny, man. Um, so uh, we're coming to the end of the show. I, I think we covered a lot of great topics. Um, we never plugged in where we where people can find your, your education. Uh, where can people find that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's statelyllc.com. That's going to be our website. And then I'm really active on Twitter, not so much on the other channels. Uh, my handle is at jazz, J A Z Z zero or O zero O super weird name. Don't, don't ask me about it. <laughs> yeah. You gotta make, you gotta make it simple. That's why I'm Daniel Hivemind. There you go. Yeah. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to be finding the lines in here. Sure, yeah. If you want to get into contact with me, I would say Instagram is probably the best because I'm very active on Instagram. And it's at P-R-O-F-Z-U-H-A-Y-R. So like at Prof Zuhair, like Professor Zuhair. I love it, man. That's super cool. We're going to have to have that, that, neuro, uh, that neuroscience conversation. <laughs> I love to, yeah. We, I'm telling you, right? Like We can talk about this all day as well. I'll nerd out on you guys. If y'all want to go down those rabbit holes, <laughs> I'll take a couple of shows to cover it. Yeah, I mean, you'll see us there. You'll see us in those rabbit holes right there with you. <laughs> yeah, this, this was great. Like, I feel like invigorated. We talked about like a lot of like very motivational topics, like, you know, like how to sharpen your mind, how to be iron minded. I felt like going into Monday today, right? Like, I'm ready like, to kill it. I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah, literally, yeah, ready to go. Well, I have a side question. Have you guys ever done podcast, a podcast before? Is this the first? We one? have not. No, this is actually my first one. Yeah, the first one as well. All right. I would, I would say if you're gonna push out any kind of product or services, right, to the masses, I think podcast is probably the single best tool for that. You know, Daniel's the one that talked me into it. I'm like, dude, I hate having meetings. I love to keep a loose schedule. Like, I get as soon as I get up, I shower. We'll probably head to the gym, you know, but then my all my meetings start like at 12. And after that, I kind of like to be free flow. I don't like having things all over my calendar because it, it can't be fluid, right? Seller calls me and it's like, can you be over here in an hour? Yes, I can be there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think um, I didn't I didn't want to have more things on my plate. Like, so Daniel's like, we got to do this podcast thing. And like, here we are almost 400 episodes later. But pe people will reach out to us. We've never even heard of before. And they've like already bought products and services from us by the time they even talk to us. Like, hey, I'm already in the group. I already bought this. I got this. And so I was like, that's pretty powerful, you know, pretty powerful to build a brand and to, to get that exposure to be out there talking to people. It, it does carry itself, you know, amazing because not only for selling products and services, but also people bring us deals. I right? just, I don't even know who this guy is. He just randomly sends me a message on Facebook, like, hey, I got 500 acres by Dallas. Can you help me? Thank you. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I used to actually watch some of your guys' content and then uh, I was, you know, I have those long drives, probably an hour, 45 minutes. So, you know, in the background, music's great and all, but like I need to, you know, resharpen the mind, train the mind, you know, learn new things. And what better way to do that than the next best thing is, you know, informational content like podcasts, you know, stories from, you know, great businessmen. And then I stumbled upon your guys' stuff and I was just like curious, you know, down the rabbit hole. And yeah. now here we are, <laughs> like on it itself. It's actually, it, it truly is full circle. It's awesome. 
And that's amazing, man. Thanks for listening to, uh, you know, you never know when you, when you first start out and you got like two views and three views, you're like, oh, maybe nobody ever going to listen to this thing. And then later on, thousands of views a month. So it's a cool transition. But I was going to talk about, you know, uh, I've I tricked my brain. Like we, we play these little games with ourselves, right, to be able to like to, to make things easier in life. I've done that with traffic, right? So same thing. I'm driving and I'm listening to podcasts, right, different types of things about, you know, lots of science, lots of health stuff. And uh, like sometimes I get to my destination after an hour and a half of traffic and I'm like, dang it, this podcast was almost over. I just needed 10 more minutes of traffic, you know, yeah. instead of somebody that's driving in traffic and they're super stressed out. Oh, traffic was crazy today. But to me, I've turned it into like something positive. Right. So, again, like just trying to keep that cognitive loading to a minimum is like something so dumb that you can't control like traffic. Somebody would like that would ruin somebody's day. And for me, it's like I needed 15 more minutes of traffic today to finish my podcast. <laughs> yeah. The worst is when you're like in the zone listening and somebody yeah. calls you and it like pauses it. I'm oh, like, oh, bro. Why didn't you just text me? <laughs> <laughs> That's another one. So yeah, they, they kind of break that that pattern in your brain. You're flowing and you're getting into the information. Like, yes, this is amazing. Wow, I've never heard that before. And then yeah. ring, 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 ring. Like, dude, you should have texted me this. Why'd you call? <laughs> yeah. I suppose I just had like one question for you guys. So one of our like key principles, if not like the principle that we like to share is that when it comes to land, the win is always in the buy, <clears throat> because if you're able to buy it at a very good price, you can, you can always sell it for a very good price. Do you guys have any like key principle that like you guys abide by? I'll tell you one of my main ones, and uh, this, this is going to be disturbing to a lot of investors, um, but I, I always say don't negotiate on price. Give the seller exactly what they want. And that makes for a smooth, easy transition. It's probably on a on a on a bigger deal. Probably works better. But if the seller's like, I gotta get my million, I'll get you the million. One way or another, I get you the million. Uh, you know, can we do five hundred thousand down on the rest at zero percent interest? Uh, but that's one of my big ones, man. Is as long as that seller gets the number in their mind that they think that they're getting and they're happy with that, then we can do all kinds of crazy stuff on the back end on terms, hmm. right? So when you buy a property for a, a million dollars at zero percent interest, sell it for nine fifty at 11.99% interest and make like three or four grand a month in cash flow. So we, I would say don't negotiate on price probably is the biggest one for heading into these bigger deals. That's awesome. Yeah. That I've never heard that one before. That, 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 nice. I, was, I, was, I don't know if what he's going to say, because I was going to say the same thing. I think, I think it's changed our business a lot is we don't negotiate on price. Like if they have it listed for that price, we'll, we'll just offer that price. We call an offer listing price. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? Like you're, you're kind of giving the seller what they want. So they're winning. And then, you know, it builds that layer of trust yep. between both of you guys. Like, hey, I got 10 low balls. If you low ball me, I'm going to hang up on you. Well, how much are you asking? I want a million five. Well, that's my offer. You know, chances are, let me take a closer look at this thing. I could probably get you a million six or a million seven. Just let me have a look at it. I'll call you back. Yeah. yeah. Even, even to the point where we don't even, this is, I think is crazy about our business model is that we don't, we stop marketing direct to sellers personally. And we just go off of the MLS and we're making offers off the MLS, full price offers, shooting fish in a barrel. We're now the agent. We, we, we're, we're negotiating a $9 million deal right now. And the agent's like, hey, uh, where's that offer? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> now they want to talk to us, right? Where the sellers are trying to avoid you, the agents are after you, right? So we, we yeah. came up with a new term. So instead of us looking for mo motivated sellers, we're looking for motivated agents. Because you'll see that some of these agents have had a property listed for almost a year already, over a year. The agent's more motivated than the seller. So the lady told us straight up, she's like, this seller's not motivated at all. If you offer $10 less than full asking price, he's not going to do it. And all this, she gave us all the reasons why the seller wasn't going to uh, go on with any kind of tricks, nothing. He just wanted his cash. 
And then now the agent is pulling in our direction. She's like almost working for us now because she's ready to get out of it. It's been like a year and a half, almost two years. So you find yourself a motivated agent, they'll, they'll help you get that deal done. And then uh, this is for everybody here too as land is time's on your side. I mean, we, we've gotten deals three, six months later. We've been in negotiations for three months. I've been working on a land deal for years. four years. Like it, it, if you if you're in a fast fast money game, land is not your space. Hmm. Like uh, most of our deals take six months to a year, and I'm okay with that. So if you do, I, I tweeted this yesterday. It was like if you need to get paid weekly, uh, land isn't your thing. Yeah. yeah. What did Corey say about it? He goes, "Oh, that the average person, if he's doing those deals like you guys are doing, they'll starve to death or something like that." Yeah, because they're so big and heavy to move. So that's another one of our ten commandments: is um, to just don't be a well hunter. Just don't only do big deals. Like you got to have a blend of the two. So, you know, I think that's that's a smart strategy is to have some small stuff in the pipe, and then while you're working on some of these wells, like uh, like that deal that was a listed deal. That one we're going to try to make three point five to five million on it for on one hundred and thirty six acres. We uh, we're, we're trying to borrow one point eight million right now. That's um, awesome. Like in a week, we just found out about this deal like 10 days ago, right? So like, who has $2 million I could use? Uh, <laughs> yeah, with a 1.8 purchase price, uh, 3.5 low in profit, five high end on the profit. And that's a listed deal. So yeah, yeah there's not, not even any reason to pull any lists or do any of that stuff anymore. I think what Daniel said was like really important, right? That's like a salesman, right? You have to at least have like some emergency savings, right? Because or else we'll do anything for a sale, you know? You'll compromise on you know, maybe your commandment of making making sure the seller gets his price, right? Because like how you need to pay the bills, right? So I think what Daniel said was spot on. Uh, so one last question for you guys. Um, how do you recommend, you know, because like some of our students, they are doing the smaller deals, you know, sub one acre. How do you recommend they transition from those smaller deals to the bigger ones? You know, the 50, the 100 acre, lots so of things like that. For ones, definitely stick, stick with the small ones. But I, I would tell them to do like if you're doing time blocking, right? Um, or if they're just like chalking up what they're doing, like just writing down their metrics, I would say convert at least like 20 to 30% of their time and energy into going after big deals. So they're still doing exactly what you're teaching them on the, on the front end. Right. So they can make sure again, that they're paying their bills because this is an easy game to starve to death in. And then that last little, they make seven phone calls on the, on the one acre and below. And those last three phone calls are properties that are valued at a million and up. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's the only way to really do it is just, you know, just to go ahead and just jump in there and start having those conversations. And at first it's uncomfortable, but with Daniel, very, very uncomfortable. Now again, like playing the, I'm I'm all about these playing these mind games with yourself. Right. So if you just tell yourself like the numbers don't matter and and sooner or later you start to believe it. Right. And, and now even, even beyond that, if I talk to a seller that like where the deal is like worth a hundred grand, I'm like, I'm not a waste of time, right? Because I, I, even a dollar I would appreciate, right? Even nothing. Some, we've done a lot of deals and made zero on them just because we're helping people out, right. either the seller or the, or the wholesalers that brought them to us. But it's like, I don't, I don't get those warm and fuzzies off a $100,000 deal. But when somebody sends me a deal and it's like four or five million and I'm looking at it, like I get energized, I get excited. I'm like, oh man, this is a deal. This is about to go down. But it feels like everybody's going to win. All four of us on this screen are going to make 250 each. You know, the, the seller's going to get his price. Like, so it's, it, it, it gives you a lot of joy and excitement to talk to a, a where a new person might pick up the phone and talk to a $3 million deal and they feel intimidated butterflies. They're like, I don't know what I'm going to do when, when I've already tricked myself now doing it the other way. So if it's a $10 million deal, like we're negotiating the one Daniel was talking about, um, I'm more excited to take those phone calls. There's no more like intimidation factor at all. Like this is going to be a heck of a deal. Like this is awesome. I'm looking at a $15 million ranch right now. The guy wants $5 million down and I'm like, 
I'm, I think I'm going to buy it. Do I have 5 million liquid sitting around? No, but I'll find a creative way to put this deal together because I know the guy. So yeah. like, in my mind, like I'm already buying that ranch. Like it's happening. I'm, I'm going to find that money. Nice. Yeah, the, the, the crazy thing about what we do is that like the $9 million deal, we didn't call the seller. Our 22-year-old student called the seller. One of our students who hasn't even got a deal yet. Works in Costco. Getting <laughs> a $10 million deal. And, like, benefit of the network. And, for, and for him, he's just extra. We tell everybody to exercise the muscle. Like me and Anthony can make phone calls all, all day long, and you're not going to really learn if you just listen to him. But if you out make the phone call, if you go out make the offer, you go out and talk to the agent, you're going to build the best education you're going to get. So, like, he's like, What do I offer? So I'm like, Right, offer this. So he's like, yeah, da, 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 offer this. And he, he, he may not even know what the, what the offer even means, but for him, <laughs> like he's just parroting, but that alone, like he's building confidence. Like imagine me personally, and if I was in his shoes, I'd be like, I would have lost my mind years ago. Like, why am I talking to this, this agent that represents a 10, a $10 million property in my nuts? Like, I don't even, I don't even have a thousand dollars, you know? <laughs> like it, 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 it's like a psychology thing where like, Am I why am I doing this? Like I know I'm not gonna purchase it, but it's one of those things where like for him, he's like he's he made the phone call. Like I didn't help him, I didn't coach right. him. He's been on enough of our calls where he's like he had the energy and the the fortitude and internal strength to make the phone call himself. So I'm like, hey, you want to make the phone call here? Say this, say this, offer this, uh email, email this, email the agent, and like we're empowering him to be that person. Even though he's, I mean, he's not necessarily not that person right now, but he's exercising it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, that's, that's truly the best way to learn, you know, do it. Like in theory, everything, like if you learn about it, you don't really practice it. The theory, everything sounds nice, but you know, like actually going out and practicing it, two different things. Yeah. It's so great to see like two partners who are always inspiring each other to, to push their boundaries. I think that's like a very key aspect of a partnership in itself. It's like, yeah, sure. Like you help me out, you know, and like we get deals done, but it's like, make me into like a superhero you know yeah that's exactly what we're doing right now so like i got daniel on some of the supplements and some of the stuff i'm taking now and i'm like bro if you want to be like, again if you want to be the part you gotta you gotta look the part you gotta feel the part right so yeah now we get got daniel on a little health journey now so not just business but i want to see him win at everything you know that's awesome i love that yeah that, that. that yeah <laughs> seriously yeah that's so cool I so, think that's like probably why you guys work so well together, right? Because you're willing to accept, you know, what the other person has to say, you know, like you just don't take what they say for granted. Always, man. So we're, we're both like we're, we're very, very headstrong type A personalities, but we take each other's advice. Right. So I don't call him. Oh, man, you don't know what you're talking about. He'll call me. And he doesn't. He does also doesn't. <laughs> me. You know what I mean, like we'll immediately say that's a pretty good idea or like I see what you're saying. I'll, I'll make my own version of it. But we're always like malleable we're willing to help each other and to pivot on a second because we know we have each other's best interest in mind yeah i feel like that's you know that's the one of the foundations of partnership that's kind of what's what's needed is you guys really inspire each other and you guys are like beginning yang you're collaborating and you're you know bringing out the best in each other yeah man we see that same thing in you guys so it's, this is amazing even now meeting your partner like there's even more overlap so this is crazy like i said when you meet complete strangers and it's like oh dang we're running the same ship like, this is amazing <laughs> That's cool, man. So uh, this was a fun one. I'm sure we could probably do round two. We can go a little bit deeper into a lot of other stuff. Maybe we'll segue a little bit away from the land and start talking about some other science madness. But yeah, it was <laughs> fun, man. We appreciate you guys being on here. Yeah, sure. thank you, Absolutely. Daniel. Thanks for having us. It was definitely a pleasure.
Well, thanks for coming on. If you enjoy this episode, go like, subscribe, share with a friend. Uh, if you listen to the car and traffic, hope you make it to the end. But uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Uh, thanks for coming, tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for watching this YouTube video. We hope you found value. Please like, subscribe, and hit the bell. To watch more videos just like this one. Thank <laughs> you.